Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Garrett from Barry's Barbell Club. What's going on, Garrett? How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. So before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you guys have going on and how you run your club, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Yeah. So Barry Barbell Club is a premier barbell training facility where we focus on powerlifting and strength sport. Honestly, the club stemmed from us hosting and, and running camps and seminars out of other facilities where we saw a demand for the sport itself. There was just no facility that could house the equipment, the members, or any combination of the two at the same time. Um, and then after kind of bouncing around from facility to facility, trying to uh, just rent out space, put my own equipment in and make it work in already existing business models, uh, the next step was just, okay, we're just going to find the space, put the equipment there and offer the product to people. Yeah. So what were you doing prior to opening your barbell club? Uh, so for the last 17 years, I've worked as a coach, personal trainer, uh, primarily as a remote coach for a large majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in that time, uh, I worked in the commercial side or the corporate side of fitness. So I was a fitness manager at one of the larger chains in Canada, Good Life Fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I progressed to a personal trainer and a personal trainer manager with snap fitness and managed a few locations for them. Uh, that then grew to LA fitness. And then from LA fitness, it went back to a snap fitness, uh, because I wanted to get back into the grassroots of actually one-on-one coaching because that's where Mm -hmm. I felt, uh, I enjoyed the most. Um, and then in Canada, there was a, a mass exodus of snap fitness. The business model started to, uh, more or less fail in more, more cities than it, it could sustain. Um, and that pushed me to start subletting, subleasing and renting space out of other facilities. And that's where I saw the, the mass demand for the sport of powerlifting in the area, because it was a a really uptick of interest in the sport and that that just pushed me to open the facilities okay so pretty long stint in the industry working for several uh commercial gyms and big box gyms um is there anything that you learned about what not to do when you're running a business when you were working in the commercial gyms don't treat people like numbers um the big thing and the overwhelming thing with a good life is like you, you have to walk on the floor and it, and it very well could have changed since I've left. I mean, it's been 13 years, 14 years since I've, I've been in a good life, but the goal for a trainer would be, okay, you have to walk in, you need to learn five members names, and then you need to learn their occupation. And you would go, you get their names, get their occupation, you go back to your fitness manager. They would look at the occupation list and be okay, this person earns the most. You need to go sell them now. And that, that was it. It was just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a personal training job where you had to sell. It was mm-hmm. a sales job where you had to train. Um, and, and that's what I found with a lot of those corporate settings or commercial gyms. It was very sales driven. Uh, and again, the, the space are massive. There's massive overhead. I get it. 
Um, but it doesn't create that connection and that long-standing commitment between a coach and a trainer. And it just, you had a lot of burnout from the trainer. So I think like the average trainer in a good life lasts about six to seven months, and then they just quit the industry altogether. Uh, so it's a very, very high turnover rate, which is unfortunate. Yeah, that is, that is unfortunate. Um, but you know, on the flip side of things, on a more positive note, what are some things, positive things that you took away from your stint in the commercial gym industry and that you're now like applying with what you guys are doing at Barry's? Structure, <laughs> creating, okay. creating structure from the top down right away. Um, and, and just little things like professionalism. Uh, and, and I see it a lot where there'll be a trainer and it's like, I'll just use a random, uh, Cody fitness 27 at gmail.com. That is one of like the, the, most frustrating things for me to see because it's a low-hanging fruit where you buy a domain for six dollars and you have a professional email address it's if if anyone contacts us it's info at barrybarbellclub.ca if anyone contacts me it's carrot at barrybarbellclub.ca there's a little bit of professionalism in that mm -hmm. um and, and for the seven to ten dollars a month it just looks like a more legitimate business um, and to treat everything as if it's being handled by a team. So one of the things I learned in good life uh, specifically was if you're addressing anything in an email, it's always we, us, we will not I, or just me. Uh, it, it's a whole team working towards the goal and you're, you're involving everyone in that team atmosphere. Um, and then the actual invoice structure uh, it's another thing I see where it's everyone is doing PayPal or uh, e-transfers, things like that. Pay pay for a merchant processing system. Get a system where you can send out a professional-looking invoice. It gives them the option to pay directly in the invoice. They can set up a recurring billing system and just automate every little thing you can. Um, and I know, like the one thing I hate is I hate sales and I hate. The, the money aspect. So the first thing I did was automate those systems where I can be the most hands-off with that and I can spend more time actually coaching. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you guys have a pretty specific um, niche, which is primarily like people who want to compete in powerlifting. Um, what was your decision to go with primarily that population versus maybe doing half powerlifting, half uh, gin pot? Um, so one, it, the primary driver was having competed in powerlifting. It just, it had my heart right away and I just fell in love with the sport. Yeah. Um, so it, it's much easier to, to coach and, and sell something that you actually care about, that you're invested in uh, yourself. The other thing, the area we're located in is just so heavily saturated with other clubs, other gyms where they're, you know, 10 times the size of us. They offer way more in terms of machines or they have nice saunas or swimming pools or basketball courts. And it's just things we can't compete with mm -hmm. um, where we don't want to take a small piece of their pie. We want to just have our own pie where we're the only ones doing it. And even if we're not the only ones doing it, we're the best ones doing it. And that's it. We, we've set the standard for uh, the sport in the area. I mean, in terms of what we offer, I think the next closest facility to us uh, is around 75 kilometers. So you're a 45 to 50 minute drive to find something similar to what we even offer. Um, and I believe that facility has one specific piece of equipment, whereas we have like, you know, 80 specific yeah. to the sport, right? Um, 
So yeah, we, we've just made it a very easy choice in terms of if you're looking for powerlifting, you're looking for strength training, there's no real option outside of us. Um, and we've just kind of cornered that market. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, in the future, do you guys think you may ever want to, you know, kind of serve that general, general population? So we've, we've actually, uh, as of today, we've signed the lease for new space where we'll be expanding quite a bit. Um, the, the idea is we're going to offer more uh, gen pop um, familiar equipment. Like it'll, it'll be like a preacher curl and a tricep press down machine or extension machine, sorry. Um, and other amenities like that. The primary focus is going to stay on powerlifting though. Um, it, it's just one of those things that we do really, really, really well. We've talked about bringing on a coach to offer more gen pop services. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something we're open to. If we find someone that's a good fit and they kind of, they, they fit into our ecosystem of how we like things done and kind of the approach we take to being hands-on with our athletes. Um, but there's no pressure for us to really open up to that market because again, I think that market is already so well served in the area that you're, yeah. you're begging for scraps at that point yeah so let's transition into talking about marketing um would you say that with your target audience that has made marketing more challenging for you guys and what have you guys been doing for marketing that's been working well yep so initially we started with uh, the facebook ads the instagram ads things like that we would start throwing money with with instagram posts and calls to action and the, the message us and click here and here's our new promo and we were getting good traffic through the door but we weren't getting the the long standing members we were looking for where they were really invested in the idea of competing in the sport they just they they were lured in by a fancy ad um so we've shifted our focus to any money that we invest in advertising goes directly to competitions where our target demographic is already going to be at. So it gets our logo up on a banner. It's, you know, the, the Federation or the, the host will share some information about the club and that's just free advertising there to uh, the audience that's already interested in the sport. They're paying to be there. They're already following these accounts. They're choosing to see this information. Um, and a lot of our stuff comes from just, membership just word of mouth talking to one another sharing content things like that so it's a very uh homegrown feel to our marketing in place of just spamming you with uh instagram photos and motivational videos so next thing i want to talk about is your client retention i think you said the longest athlete that you've had has been with you for 11 years is that right Yes, yeah, so we have we have uh, the longest standing right now is eleven years. Uh, it'll be twelve years in three months. Yeah, yep. So we we do a pretty good job with keeping our athletes uh, working with us, and a lot of that comes from they they see continued success. Um, so like that athlete competes in long distance cycling, and he's seen improvement every single year. His times have decreased. Uh, all metrics we use to gauge his progress have increased. So he's happy and he's happy to continue paying and working with us. And again, at that point, like with, with our members, we try and get involved with them on a personal level. So this member, I, I know his kids' names. I I can talk to him about his family. I know his wife's name. I know his father's name. I, I know the members of his family where uh, Christmas comes around. I get a family calendar of, of him and his family and it's got their birth dates marked off in it. And, you know, like we're, we're friends beyond, beyond the coaching as well. Right. So we really try and build those relationships with our athletes. Um, 
I, I think that's crucial. Yeah. So really making sure people are getting the results that they're working for. Yep. Building genuine relationships with um, your athletes are two things that you feel like has definitely helped with that retention. Is there anything else? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like it, it's being familiar with them because again, like they, they have to like you. You could be the best coach in the world, but if you're an ass, no one wants to work with you. Right. Um, like I'm, I'm sure every other coach has done the same thing where, you know, they've got six back-to-back sessions on a Monday and every session starts. How was your weekend? What did you do? Oh, that sounds nice. And then Friday, they have the same six people. What are you up to for the weekend? What are you going to do? And it, it, it's just this vicious cycle of just sucking all the joy out of coaching. Um, because at that point, the coach doesn't want to be there either. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just getting on a good, uh, friendly base with your athletes and, and building off of that. And again, like seeing success with them is, is going to be the biggest driver. They could like you, but if they're not getting better, there's no reason for them to stay right yeah Um, and one of the other things we've done that we've seen a lot of success with is we do what we call grandfather rates so this member for example like he is the lowest paying athlete that works with me by a a large margin um, simply because the rates i was charging 11 years ago are significantly lower than what we charge now Um, and we honor those prices we will never put a member's price up as long as they continue to work with us Uh, if he was to leave and come back well yeah he'd pay he'd pay whatever the new rates are Um, but we see a lot of members where they're they're just very happy with the results they like the community and uh, they want to keep that price point as well yeah absolutely absolutely so I guess my next question for you is like because you have a lot of younger athletes right uh yeah I'd say like probably 70% 70% of our athletes are kind of in that early to mid twenties. Oh, okay. I was going to ask about like the parents and if the parents were the ones like paying for the training, like how do you develop that relationship with them too? Is that like a, something that, you know, really happens because they're kind of old enough to pay their own way when they get their twenties. Yeah. So we do have a few athletes that are in what we would call the sub junior junior category where their parents may be footing the bill for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically the way that goes is the athlete will reach out to us because they're interested. Um, we have a conversation with them. We provide them with the information. Obviously the number is usually bigger than what they think it's going to be for what they want because they want the moon and the stars all at once. And that, that doesn't come cheap, unfortunately. Um, so typically then they'll, they'll go back, they'll talk to their parents and there'll be some, some roadblocks or, or uh, further discussions need to happen at that point i just reach out and say like look i'm i'm happy to reach out chat with you guys have a sit down you guys come by the facility you can meet me you can see what it's all about uh your your child can train for the first week and and see if they're even going to stick with it right um and a lot of the time the parents are pretty welcome to that idea they come in they meet me you know we talk for 30 40 50 minutes however long it may be and we just take our time to make sure we're answering all of their questions thoroughly so that they have a, a good understanding of what the sport's about, what the outcome is. And then we explain like the, there's common misconceptions about the risks of strength training and barbell sport. And we just, we go over that. We put their mind at ease and we make them feel better. Um, but again, I think a lot of that comes down to like a no pressure sales tactic where we're pretty honest. We say like, this is the product. This is how we do it. You're, you're welcome to take it. You're welcome not to. And we kind of leave the ball in their court and we give them a little bit of space where they don't feel like they're just being harped by a sales agent 24-7. And uh, I feel like that kind of puts them at ease as well. Gotcha. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about 
the future for Barry's Barbell Club? Like, where do you want to, well, how do you want your, your business to develop over the next 365 days? So over the next year, um, I mean, I'd like to see, we, we average right now, um, quarterly, we're seeing about an 11 to 12% increase in gross profit. Um, ideally, over the next year with us over doubling in size, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't want to see a 50% increase. Um, realistically, I think if we could come up to over the next quarter, uh, 20 to 25, and then maintain that through the year, that would be fantastic. Um, that, that's really what we're looking for. Uh, in terms of the business itself, I'd like to see more one-on-one -on -one training delivered because I do a lot of open floor stuff where I'm working with multiple athletes at once and it limits how much one-on-one -on -one I can do. I would like to have coaches on the floor where they're able to offer solely one-on-one -on -one coaching and, and build that into the business up a little bit more and also set up some new coaches to build their own brand and their own business uh, within our ecosystem of coaching and develop them as trainers as well. That, that would be really good. Um, and then we have already mapped out, we're running two championship events. Uh, one will be as the grand opening for the new facility. So we'll have an event there with, you know, a hundred to 150 athletes, ideally, um, and then we're aiming to run another one next winter where it'll be something similar as kind of like a one year ish anniversary, just to get more traffic through the door of people that want to be there. If you're signing up to compete in the sport, you, you want to be involved in the sport and we're the facility to do it. So it gets their foot in the door as well. Right. Um, and then right now, so, uh, our logo is actually, uh, my, my bulldog is the logo, uh, mascot. So what I'd like to do as well is I've been working with the rescue we rescued him from and set up a system where currently all of like our apparel that uses that logo, we donate 100% of the profit to the shelter. Um, I'd like to set it up where there's an actual storefront and we could do more to work with uh, that specific rescue and maybe a few more local charities as well through the front end of the space with some sort of physical product we can offer. Yeah. Oh, really, really good, good stuff, Gary. Uh, now, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Yep. Uh, so my social media is Barry Barbell Club on Instagram, Barry Barbell Club on Facebook, and info at barrybarbellclub.ca for any contact or, or questions you may have. Uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming on to the show we really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast definitely looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road thank, thank you so much. thank you for having me yeah absolutely man um don't forget if y'all want to be notified about future episodes hit the like and subscribe button and if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry click the link in the description fill it out and our team will be in touch with you soon and as always until next time Jim Lord out Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. 
Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam. And today with me is the one and only Troy with Rain City Athletics Boxing out of Seattle, Washington. Troy, how are we doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. A pleasure. Uh, Great for uh, hopping on as well. Uh, What I want to do is open it up. Just go ahead and give our listeners a little bit about you. So how'd you get into this industry? What's your experience has been like? And how'd you open up Rain City Athletics Boxing? Right on. So, um, boy, I've been training martial arts and combat sports since I was a a young lad. Kind of fell into coaching. Um, I was training at a gym here uh, nearby Seattle in in Shoreline and was just training there as a normal student and just kind of fell into coaching there. Um, I've been boxing, like, like I said, for a long time. And like, they kind of saw the uh, skill set that I brought into the gym and they just kind of elected me to be the striking coach at the, one of the striking coaches at this gym. So, um, fell into that, um, did that for a couple of years. That was about 2010. And then about 2011 or so, uh, I struck out on my own with a, uh, a former business partner of mine. And we started, uh, Rain City Athletics. Um, actually in the original iteration of the team, we were an MMA team before we were a boxing team. Um, and we did that for a little bit. And then after a couple of years, he decided to go his own way and focus on some other things. And I wanted to continue coaching because I felt like I still had a lot to do in the industry and in the sports. So um, I diverted it to my, you know, my passion, which is boxing. And we've been doing that ever since. Um, we are, again, located in Seattle, Washington, in the heart of Hillman City, which is South Seattle. And uh, we coach both amateur and professional boxers, as well as recreational fitness boxers. And uh, we are a community focused team, trying to make sure that we are servicing people that need uh, the training and uh, just trying to stay focused on uh, moving forward. Excellent, man. Love it. Um, lots of experiences. And, uh, you know, sounds like everything kind of fell, you know, in a way that uh, worked out for you. Yep. I love that. Um, so go ahead and kind of give, you know, like our listeners you know, a little bit of like your elevator pitch as far as, you know, you already mentioned a little bit, you know, as far as like services, but, you know, if somebody were to come to you, what services do you offer in the facility? And if somebody was coming to you to say, Hey, like I'm in need of getting in shape, whatever that is, you know, what would kind of be like your initial consultation for them? You know, I really, I just like to uh, get to know people at first. We get a lot of uh, inquiries online and uh, via phone and text and my big thing is to really just come in and get to um, get, have somebody come in and get to know really what their goals are. Again, most folks don't really want to compete, and a lot of them just want the fitness benefits from boxing as well as just the uh, advantages of a healthier lifestyle. So I really try to walk them through how we uh, how we do things at our at our gym. And compared to a lot of other facilities, I don't um, make differentiations between my uh, competitive boxers and my recreational and fitness boxers. Um, I make it a big point to make sure that people are getting both the health benefits as well as the skills, um, the benefits of learning skills. So I tell them, you know, we're, I'm never going to push you to spar. I'm never going to push you to ever have somebody throw a punch at you or inversely have you hit somebody, but you are going to do all the same drills that a competent boxer is going to do. So you're going to do all the conditioning, all of the calisthenics, all of the, you know, the post-conditioning uh, recovery stuff, as well as all the skills drills. And, you you know, I let them know that you'll see that over time, you're going to get all the benefits of that, as well as learning a invaluable life skill as well. 
Love that. Having the, you know, the, the education behind, you know, the, the operation. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, and it, it's always good to get to know people, especially because you never know who's walking in. It could be somebody that's scared, you know? Oh yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, doing that allows you kind of to tap into some of the things that may be going on beneath the surface with some people. Um, I've definitely had people come in who have been kind of skittish about it and, you know, they've had, you know, uh, past traumas or past issues where, you know, they've come to a place in life where they're wanting to be able to feel a little bit more confident while they walk around. And, you know, without having those conversations, you could really be turning people away by not really, by not really getting to know what's at the root of their, what, what brings them in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, with like boxing and stuff like that, like you said, it can be intimidating. People walk in and be like, oh, this is like for like boxers only. And yeah. Absolutely. And especially when you think about it too, in, in, in the current day and age, beyond just, you know, the intimidation of like coming into a gym, you know, and saying, oh, it's a boxing gym. That's scary already, you know, but thinking about it, you know, for uh, women and femme body boxers coming into a place where, you know, you know, when you go into most, most gyms, there's a lot of machismo running around and there's not a lot of diligence with regard to language that gets used or the environment that's being created. So we really try to be mindful of that kind of stuff. And, you know, like to the point where like, I don't know. I don't allow certain verbiage to be used in the gym, and I don't allow certain attitudes to perpetuate in the gym, just to make sure that we're creating both a safe space as well as an inclusive space for everybody to train. Yeah, hundred percent. Creating the culture that's gonna, you know, um, you know, uh, exfoliate out to you know the people that want to come in. So, absolutely. Oven. So let's talk. You know, quick numbers here. Like, how big is your square? Or how big is your square? How big <laughs> is the facility? And about roughly how many members you guys have in your gym right now? Oh man, um, I'm terrible with square footage because numbers just make my palms sweat. Um, I, I would say I would say we are a small to medium sized gym. I don't necessarily have the square footage that we train in a single room facility. Um, membership fluctuates between uh, fifteen to about twenty five. It's pretty steady at about twenty, um, and that again, that's including um, both fitness as well as. Uh, recreational boxers i do however work one-on-one with some local athletes as well who are uh, a little bit higher level boxers but um yeah we're not a big gym um again really a like i like to call us a community gym um if you look at our instagram it says boxing assess community focused and we really try to keep it that way um i try to focus on making sure that um the student body represents what our community looks like to make sure that you know the people who need the services are receiving them if that makes sense yeah no absolutely um it's gotta you know reflect on the inside or excuse me the outside has to reflect what you're doing on the inside absolutely um cool man well uh yeah no worries um now out of you know random curiosity just because i like numbers um do you guys have a system where it tracks all that where it's like you know members um maybe leads follow-ups all that kind of stuff or is it kind of more or less like um, you know, older, old school type way. It's kind of old school. That's the, that's the generation I come from. I'm 44 at this point. Um, and the generation that brought me up in the gym was like the very old school generation. And they didn't really focus on a lot of like, um, numbers and retention and stuff like that. A lot of it was just focused on the people coming in, and, you know, definitely you're doing, we're doing our outreach and we're doing our follow-ups and we're making sure that, you know, if I haven't seen somebody in a while that I'm checking in, but um, no real uh, set in stone, like tracking uh, system. Yeah. Like a CRM, like a member base. 
Yeah, nothing like that currently. Um, I think it really has been the point like where our numbers have been in, in a manageable place where I can do that like mentally without having to have like a whole system to track it. Unlike some of these larger gyms who have a whole like membership database because they're they're working in the large, large numbers. Um, mine is still like my gym is like my my team is like the, my family. They're like my extended family. So everybody stays in touch. And like, you know, as it grows, you know, we're continually adding to the people that we're communicating with that we're staying in a community with. So um, haven't really had a need for that yet, but I'm hoping in a point uh, to get to a point where stuff like that's going to come into play. Yeah. I was going to say, because, you know, it, you know, obviously like it's always good to know where you can just type in like, Hey, like memberships, yada, 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 um, Absolutely. Human, yada, 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 follow up, stuff like that. So um, so, you know, touching into that a little bit, you know, you, you said you find it manageable at this point to, to kind of know who's coming in, who's not coming in, those kind of things, you know, do you feel like, you know, you know, you, you and your team, um, you're able to reach out to all of the inquiries that are coming in that not anything slipping through the cracks, you know, how's that working out for you? Yeah, I think we have been. Um, my co-coach and Bailey, she uh, they do a great job of uh, making sure that we are reaching out to people and that we're connecting with folks. Um, I'm not always the best at like um, sourcing people and whatnot, but um, Anne makes a she makes a great effort to uh, keep us on track with that kind of stuff. Um, and just really, again, just trying to make as many connections within the community. Like right now, most uh, a lot of times. Um, Membership happens, like I said, via uh, people checking out on the website, and uh, we have a we have a means on the website for people to actually directly reach out to us from our site, as well as a lot of word of mouth. Um, you know, people start hearing about you know gyms like Seattle's a pretty small town, um, contrary to what people think, uh, and a lot of word of mouth happens, and you know we get people coming in like, hey, I heard from so and so, heard from so and so about your gym, and I wanted to come check it out and stuff. So, a lot of it happens that way. Yeah, absolutely. That brings me to my next question, which kind of touched on a little bit. You know, what right now are you currently doing for lead generation? You know, lead generation, um, I never really think about it like that. Um, but a lot of it is just uh, being visible within the community, um, reaching out to people. We get a lot of a lot of lead generation happens just for my own athletes being out and about and like talking about the gym and, you know, um, making a real big push right now on, you know, the whole social media front, um, which becomes a whole other job when it comes to the gym with regards to like filming and making sure that we're steady on posting things and we're, uh, we're getting our, uh, our uh, interest peaked within the community that way. But um, lead generations ha happens a lot, like I said, by like word of mouth or by just people just uh, asking around. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, you've been in business for a while now, you know, how, how do you feel like over the years that this, this, you know, word of mouth has been working, obviously, you know, numbers wise, I'm not going to say, give me a specific number, but, you know, would you say, if you had to off the top of your head, you know, is it, are you getting, you know, 20 members through the door a week, a month, you know, less, more kind of, you know, like how, how's that, you know, word of mouth organic? Yeah. going. Organic growth initially was kind of tough, especially when we were making the transition from an MMA team to a boxing team, um, because a lot of teams don't really get a lot of recognition until you start making an impact on the competitive scene out here. Um, luckily, um, in the past few years, we've been uh, we've been pretty active competitively, and people are starting to see us more, and they're starting to hear about us more. Um, 
So, you know, on the average, we're getting about like, uh, I don't know, I can't really say how many come in the door, but inquiries at least about about 20 inquiries per month, um, just from organic growth via like the website or people uh, talking about the gym. So getting a lot of emails, a lot of text messages. Um, and it's just, I feel like it's a, it's a lot better than it started out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As time goes by, you know, you obviously want to have that, uh, that recognition, um, you know, so ballpark again, I'll, I'll just use that definition, you know, of those 20 inquiries, you know, how many of those do you think sign up on a monthly basis? You know, um, again, like all things in the city, it fluctuates. Um, yeah. If I was just to give you a rough number out of 20, we probably get about half of those that uh, that actually sign up and um, become regular students. Yeah. And then obviously maybe a little more, you know, tougher question, not tough, but um, deeper question, you know, like out of those 10, you know, do you guys have one set membership package where it's, X month, you get unlimited this, 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 or is it like different tiers where it's like you can come two days a week or you can do these classes? Um, you know, so like I guess on average, those 10 people, you know, how how much would you say that you collect from those 10 people that sign up? Is it, um, you know, EFT? Is it, you know, like a package where it's like X amount of classes? Yeah, we try to keep it pretty, uh, pretty low key. Um, again, because I think um, for a lot of folks, uh, financial means becomes a real blockade to fitness and to a healthier lifestyle as well as just like training like this. Yeah. So we have either a set monthly fee, which gets you the entire schedule or a drop-in rate. And we make it a big point within our team to talk to people when they come in and let them know that it is a sliding scale. And um, we will adjust things to make sure that we are not putting a strain on people's lives to be able to train um, as well as just the way we do things. We, um, I sublease my space right now and doing that allows me to keep the overhead costs pretty low mm-hmm. and doing that allows me to have the option to say, like, I got a kid who, like, I have a lot of kids who come in and they're like, I really want to train and I'm, I really want to dedicate myself to this lifestyle, but I don't have the means to, you know, pay either the full month or the drop-in fee. So it allows me to give kids the opportunity to like be basically scholarship kids or scholarship athletes and um, give them the means to train without having to worry about the financial end of things. Yeah. It almost kind of like, you know, not necessarily like a hardship, but like a way to make it affordable. So that way the people that really want or need to be able to come in that they, you know, they have that option. Absolutely. Because, you know, that's really what it comes down to is making sure that people's needs are being met. And I think a lot of times within uh, the fitness industry, the, the the financial numbers come ahead of the of the people. And we try to always say people focused and make sure that people always come first before uh, the financial stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so let's step back a little bit with, you know, that, you know, like new people coming in the door and let's kind of talk about you know, what's, you know, we touched on a little bit during pre-pod before we got on air, but what's, you know, not end goal, but what's the goal for you, you know, and your facility, you've been in it for, you know, over 10 years now, it's, you know, where, where do you want to take, you know, Rain City Athletics Boxing? You know, you, know, really- it, you want to go 50 members, a hundred members, do you want to have a bigger space, kind of walk us through, you know, like what, what's your vision for that? You know, I think I I would love to absolutely increase um, student body count. 
Um, but in, in, inevitably, I would love to be able to offer more class times. Uh, right now, we our class time is uh, pretty limited, again, as we sublease a space. Um, we definitely do have the option to add more times. However, the current student body doesn't really necessitate doing that. So definitely, I would love to see the the student body uh, grow, and you know, uh, along with that, adding additional time slots for people to train. Because you know, there's a, there's a lot of interest from folks. You know, like, hey, can I train like during the day, or can I train like, uh, or like earlier in the evening? Um, and I think having the ability to grow the student body will uh, will allow us to do more more time slots like that for folks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just to, to clarify, you mentioned, you know, like there, there's uh, some things that prohibit or, you know, won't necessitate that, you know, what's what's the big stoppage from being able to add those times or, you know, grow, grow that student body? Right. Um, right now, I think it's really just like a student body doesn't really necessitate like having the additional times because pretty much everybody makes the current training times. Um, but also, like, I still have a day job. And I, again, I do that to make sure that like, running the gym does not become like a financial need for me as much as it becomes a thing that I do out of love for the sport and for the community and stuff like that. Um, but really the biggest, the, the biggest inhibitor of um, adding additional times is really just, there hasn't been a need in terms of like student body saying like, Hey, I can't make this. Can I do this time? But if, you know, we were able to do that, I would love to be able to add times, add time slots to, uh, to the schedule. Yeah. So more or less, you know, from, from what I'm understanding, it's just, you know, like, maybe marketing out to get more people in to grow that base to be able to say, okay, hey, we can open up these slot times because this is what the majority is looking for. Correct. Got it. No, absolutely. Um, you know, so, you know, with, you mentioned you have a day job as well. Is this, you know, obviously you said it's out of love, but at the same time, is this something, you know, maybe that you would want to turn into full-time where you could, step back from the day job and really focus on, you know, reaching more lives and the student body and, you know, uh, becoming a full-time instructor with your facility. Absolutely. You know, that's, a, that's, that's every uh, boxing coach's dream to be able to run it, uh, run it full-time and be, and have it be the hundred percent thing that they do. And I'm hoping through the, through, through time and through, you know, through growth and like through like proper growth where I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one to force things that, you know, we can eventually evolve into that iteration of the gym. Yeah. Um, I'm already seeing things moving in the correct direction. So, you know, that's just something that we we keep in our back pocket and we we work towards and we always try to keep that in our sights. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, obviously, you know, you're working for yourself at that point and it's like, you know, the ultimate dream. So, yeah, um, totally understand that. So let me ask this, you know, you mentioned, you know, like social media um, posts and probably reels and stuff like that. You know, are you, you know, what, what's, what's the nurture process? Like what, what, what are you doing, you know, marketing wise to bring those leads in, um, you know, aside mainly from like, you know, just like word of mouth referrals, you know, really, again, like I said, trying to stay visible, um, you know, using whatever means that is, is available out there, whether it be like networking through, uh, various, uh, social media sites, whether it be like Facebook or Instagram and stuff like that, and trying to make, uh, trying to put out material that's actually impactful and that people are getting their eyes on, which is, you know, it's always the, it's always the thing, right? Everybody's trying to figure out the algorithm and trying to figure out what's going to get, what's going to get you out there, but just basically trying to get eyes on the team, um, doing a big push to make sure that like 
the team's always got like team apparel so that, you know, the best advertisement is just the walking around advertisement, having someone with the big RCA boxing on their, on their shirt, you know, and that's actually um, funny enough, generated a lot of interest, you know, like I'll get emails from folks that have been like, Oh, I saw someone walking around with a rain seat athletics boxing uh, hoodie. And I wanted to see what you guys were about. So just trying to do things like that to uh, just get ourselves, uh, get eyes on the gym. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, with, with this social media now, are you doing like paid advertising as far as like boosting those, those, those posts and things like that? Or, um, are you doing mainly just, you're just posting and you're getting comments and likes and inquiries that way? You know, um, the, we've really just, just started the real big social media push for the team. So right now at this point, we're kind of in that, uh, that R&D period, we're trying to figure out, okay, what's, uh, what's out, what's out there? What are we putting out that's getting eyes on? And, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of stuff is uh, been popular with folks out there? Like, what are, what, what are we getting the most likes on? And then, you know, um, with the hopes of eventually once we kind of figure that out to try and move into that more paid direction where we're boosting posts or we're getting post sponsored and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like I said, right now, just trying to kind of figure out, you know, putting our feet in the water, trying to figure out how things are working. Yeah, no, absolutely. Kind of, you know, figure out what's what's going to get ROI and what's not going to get ROI. Yeah, because I work in in, uh, in digital marketing, so it's kind of within the realm of what I do. And it's uh, it's been interesting trying to cross my, my current day job skills over into the gym, which has kind of been a weird blend for me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot that it's, it becomes a whole other job. Yeah, no. Right. And then obviously now you're spending more time on trying to like cultivate the, these marketing strategies. And it's just like, yeah, then you got to spend more time on that. You got to take away time from the gym, stuff like that. Um, Absolutely. You're, so. you're putting together your post schedule. You're putting, you're doing all the filming, you're doing all the editing. You yeah, know, that's trying a full-time job right there. It's, it's a whole other job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, like oftentimes in the fitness industry, it's like so many like other gyms are doing the paid marketing. They're doing the the advertising and all the, you know, the other stuff because there's so much work that goes into it. It's like, you got to spend eight hours a day, three days a week just to even get that flowing. And then you got to keep visiting that and keep changing. Absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I get that, you know, <clears throat> what's, you know, what's, um, you know, again, I know we touched on, you know, word of mouth, you know, being visible in the community, wearing the shirts, you know, exposing your brand stuff like that, you know, but what's kind of, you know, been a business 12 years, what's, what's the strategy moving forward now that you added a couple posts here and there to, to really gain, you know, that, that, that membership base, you know, if you, if you had a strategy in place, you know, is there a target number that you would like to see by a certain time? um with you know your strategy or kind of walk me through that you know um i think you know numbers wise i would love to at least reach like a steady 50 uh 50 person student base where it's consistent like you know student bases in all like gyms they'll go up and down especially especially like you know you go to the summer people kind of fall off and then yeah. january hits and you get that big spike of everybody coming in so where it becomes like a steady thing and i think um from what I'm seeing, you know, again, really getting busy with uh, the social media is going to be a big part of it. But again, I think one of the biggest things is being uh, more visible in the uh, the local competitive realm. Like this is good, like a great example of this is going to be the first year the team will be going to a uh, 
regional competition. So we're heading out to Vegas next month for a regional boxing competition, which puts one of my boxers on the road to possibly make the Olympic team. And having that kind of uh, activity going on with the gym really gets eyes on you because you are not only um, your name's not only getting circulated locally, but people from out of town are seeing, oh, where's this gym? This gym's coming out of Seattle. Who are these guys? And then it just kind of exponentially snowballs after there. Like people, the word of mouth just starts building and building. And the more active you can stay competitively in arenas like that, the more your name gets out there. So that's, I think those two things are going to be, I think the most impactful things that we're going to be doing in the, in the near future to really uh, help grow the team. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel, you know, when you get to that, that steady 50 point, it's like a baseline. Do you feel like then, you know, it's one of those things where, okay, we can either a, you know, add more, you know, obviously you'll have to add more class times and things like that. But, you know, is, is your space currently, I know we didn't really touch on, you know, exact square footage, but like, is that 50 something that's going to create tight space in your current facility or is your facility something where you could hold probably, you know, hundred or 200 members? I think at the, at that 50, we're still in a, in a good spot. Like um, most boxing gyms, I would say are uh, the, the square footage in boxing gyms is, is always very small. It's very rare that you go to a boxing gym unless it's like a, uh, a franchise type boxing yeah. gym where like, you know, you have a company building it out, like say like a title boxing gym or whatnot. Most gyms are small. They're like, you know, phone booth size gyms and like people squeeze a ring in there, they squeeze some heavy bags in there and people get very, it's kind of the, the boxing culture. You're very accustomed to working like back to back with a, with a bunch of people behind you. But I think at the, at that 50, at that 50 range, we're still in a really good spot where people still have space. But um, I think, you know, we definitely have the ability to, uh, to manage and, and service people at that level. That's good. Yeah. 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 Maximize, you know, what's going on currently with your facility. Yeah. So you don't have to, bite off more than you can chew at that point with, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, again, going back to kind of like you and your daytime, your full-time day job and everything, you know, at that 50 point, is that something where you would consider, okay, I got a decision to make on my 50 members. It's becoming a little more um, unmanageable with, you know, the, the, the old school style, you know, things like that. Is, is that something where you would have to say, or make a decision where, we start transitioning into that full-time? I don't know necessarily if I would uh, transition that full-time at that point. Um, I think at that point, you know, with the way I've thought about things, I would love to grow some of my own uh, current uh, students into uh, teaching positions where they're actually able to help run classes and stuff like that. I have a few that already help fill in when uh, with me or my co-coach and can't make it. But I think um, at that point, I think that's the next best step before yeah. really like, you know, throwing myself full into things. Cause I, I really appreciate the fact that like, again, like I'm able to still hold this gym down without having it be the, um, the way I'm bringing in funds to take care of me and my family. And I think that really, again, helps me to keep it at a level where we're still able to make sure that we're able to take care of people instead of just thinking about the bottom line numbers and things. Yeah. It, it kind of gives you the, you know, the freedom to, you know, stack the cash that's coming in while you're still stacking your cash that you're bringing in and then absolutely you know you're able to make financial decisions based on you know what the needs are at that time or you know what's going to be the best for you and you know your students here and then your family there so absolutely totally get that man 
Um, so as we, you know, go on through this, you know, let's talk one, two, three years from now. Um, you know, if you were in what you're doing right now, one to three years later, you know, where do you want the gym to be at that point? Well, within three, you know, um, within three years, definitely like a much larger student base that I'm currently at right now. And I think, um, I would love to be able to take the, uh, take the business to a place where we're actually able to like travel more. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of growth happens that way, especially for the athletes where they're able to get exposed to, um, other training scenarios and other competitive scenarios. And I think, um, being able to grow the student body is going to really allow that kind of thing to come to fruition. And, you know, again, just continue to grow. Um, again, I don't like to ever push things. I like things to kind of feel like natural and that's the way that they were supposed to happen. Yeah. And I think if we continue in the route that we're going right now, I think that's definitely going to be what, uh, what's going to be happening soon. Um, again, like I wouldn't say like people are breaking down the door, but like interest within the area for boxing has, uh, has increased a lot in the last, especially like since like, you know, actually like since COVID's kind of like happened, people got stuck at home for a while and they were doing a lot of like training online and like Zoom classes and stuff like that. But now with the ability to come out and train a little bit more, there's been a lot more interest uh, being generated for folks to come and uh, check the gym out. Yeah, man, love it. Obviously, you know, the big growth, um, you know, and eventually, you know, we'll get, we'll get, uh, you guys will get to that point where, the gym brings in, you know, sequential amount of finance that you can uh, still provide the way that you want to. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, for me, like I would much rather have uh, steady, sustainable growth rather than like big growth. And then like you're forever chasing that number. So I would much rather have it be something that happens organically and that we're like steadily growing and we're increasing Ah. our numbers and we're happening. uh, It's happening in a way that is uh, sustainable for us as a team where like nobody's, you know, it's not, a, it's not a strain on any, any, anybody on the coaching staff or any of the students or the facility that we're in and just being able to uh, let it happen in a way that we can continue to grow and have it be something that we can hold together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously growth with quality or integrity is still good because then you're still maintaining that, that quality over quantity, but if you have quality and quantity, then it's a double win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Uh, well, I think that's a good place to kind of start wrapping things up here. I got a couple last things for you. Okay. Uh, you know, with your experience and what you've done and, you know, your, your vision to want to continue to grow, what would you give somebody that's aspiring to start their own business in the fitness industry? You know, really uh, just get to know uh, the market that you're working with and especially uh, the community that you're working within and, uh, get to know that get to know in a deeper sense of just okay this is how many people are in my community this is the kind of money that i can bring in doing this venture but really get to know what the people's needs are and how you can best service those needs and for us that's really been i think the thing that has differentiated us from a lot of uh other boxing gyms is the fact that our team is put together in such a way that like it becomes more of a family than it is just like people who are clients who come in and train you know we regularly get together. We, you know, know what each other, what's going on in each other's lives. And I think that's really, you know, what I think a lot of folks can, can do to help separate themselves and to help really grow is to really embed themselves within the community and get to know what the community not only needs, but what they want. 
Love that. Yeah. It's, you know, community is a huge thing, especially because a lot of people like to work out with their friends or, you know, absolutely. Like that. So it's like, you know, keeping, keeping that, that feel, you know, with maybe a little more personal touch in that. Community. Absolutely. You can um, knock down both doors, man. So um, absolutely. great. Thank you for sharing that last but not least, Troy, you know, as always, we want to give a shout out to your facility. So if there's anybody in the area or that's listening to this podcast or anything like that, how can they reach you? What are your Facebook, Instagram, websites, things like that? Sure thing. Um, you can uh, find us online at, R- at www.rcaboxing.net, or you can find us on uh, Instagram at Rain City Athletics. So R-E-I-G-N City Athletics. Um, and it'll link you out to everything else that we do um, on our Facebook page, as well as I think our Twitter's on there as well. Awesome, man. Well, for everybody out there listening, that's the way to reach out to him. Um, if you want a tight knit community that's going to give you a little personalized touch and, you know, get you what you want, go check him out if you're in the area. Um, and then if this story inspired anybody that's out there listening and you want to be on our show, feel free to click on our link, type in your information. We'll be in touch and we'll get you on the show. But until then, everybody, that's a wrap. And Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us on the show is Austin from The Hive Gym and also Genesis Training LLC, which I'm sure he'll explain in a few seconds but what's what's going on we're we're glad to have you on the show how are you doing today hi i'm doing great emily thanks for having me yeah you are very welcome so before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you guys have going on talk to us a little bit more about your gym and what made you want to get into this industry in the first place yes that's a great question i uh my background is actually in athletic training so i went to school and got my bachelor's uh because i ultimately wanted to go into physical therapy. Um, but after seeing the business models and kind of the, the work that was being done in the uh, physical therapy industry, I uh, decided to shift into strength and conditioning and personal training because I found that there was a lot more value to being able to prevent those injuries as opposed to rehabbing people from, from those injuries. So I started this company um, when I moved to Jersey City and I saw that there was a really big need for um, qualified fitness professionals. And I'm sure that you've seen this all throughout the, the country, but um, there's not a lot of standards when it comes to being a personal trainer, right? There's half a dozen, there's dozens of different credentials that people can have and 
basically anyone can call themselves a personal trainer. And I think that is very dangerous uh, to the industry because especially with the social media that's out there, people have uh, a tendency to just share pretty much anything, right? Whether it's credible or not. So we wanted to set that gold standard in fitness and really make sure that people, the general public was educated on the difference between what a national certified personal trainer was versus someone who was, let's say, um, an Equinox tier one certification, right? Um, We wanted to make sure that clients felt safe training with their uh, trainers, as well as making sure that they got the support that they needed, not only in the gym, but outside of the gym as well. All right, good stuff, man. So tell us why, so there's the Hive Gym and then there's Genesis Training LLC. What's the difference between those two? Yeah, so when I first started this business, um, we were operating as Genesis Training. Uh, We were purely a personal training company, a mobile personal training company that allowed us to train pretty much anywhere uh, in our area. So we had a staff of trainers that were independent contractors and they would service clients uh, primarily at their apartment gyms, or we would rent um, some gym space from a local gym on an hourly basis. Um, so we were doing that and scaling the business. Uh, as the owner, I realized that we were actually spending a lot more money uh, just renting the gym on an hourly basis. So I decided to open up our own facility. Um, so about eight months ago, we opened our own doors to the Hive Gym. And it is a very small studio gym. So it wasn't a big box gym that could hold uh, monthly memberships. It was more designed for an intimate setting for personal trainers and for the general public who were really serious about getting a good workout in to be able to come in and rent the gym on an hourly basis. So why did you decide to start two companies? Um, Just keeping it all under one. Yeah, it, that's a good question. Uh, ultimately, is for the scalability. Um, I thought both of these business models had their own opportunity to really thrive on their own, um, as well as work together in tandem. So ultimately, the goal for us in the next three to five years is to open up a few more Hive locations, um, whether it's through franchising or just me opening up on our own and having Genesis kind of be a uh, the driving force, right? To be able to see where the market was, to see uh, where the clientele was and ultimately fill that gym uh, as much as possible and any excess space that it had, we could fill with that rent-a-rack concept. Yeah, and rent-a-rack, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, What is that concept all about? Yeah, it's just um, hourly gym rentals and it's really nice because it allows Uh, the general public to have access to a gym at a very low cost um, without having to commit to a membership and without having to uh, be in a big box gym setting where, as you probably experience yourself, uh, weights are always taken, having to wait for machines um, and just dealing with that atmosphere of just feeling kind of claustrophobic in a big box gym, right? Um, So we wanted to create this intimate setting and allow people to come in and reserve one of the three squat racks in our facility. Um, And with that squat rack, it includes their own bench, their own set of adjustable dumbbells, kettlebells, bars, whatever they need to really get an efficient workout. And uh, so far, the clients and people who have rented this 
did the rent a rack concept have loved it so far um and they really think it's worth the investment i think that's really cool too so we were talking a little bit earlier about your experience as an entrepreneur and it turns out you've pretty much been an entrepreneur your whole entire life right yes have you ever had a regular job um i have um i started working as soon as i was able to i've worked tons of odd jobs i've seen what it's like to to work a w2 to be a full-time employee to be a contractor to be per diem um so it really helped me it exposed me to all these different business models and i'm really thankful for my experience being um an a typical employee and uh it kind of helped formulate this business model because i want to not only did i wanted to provide quality service for trainers i meant for our clients but i wanted to provide a outfit for personal trainers to really thrive right um i wanted to give them the opportunity to have flexibility of time to be able to kind of have some control over their compensation and ultimately autonomy on how they train their clients mm -hmm. so doing that i i've always kept uh my trainers in mind as we scaled the business and really wanted to make sure that they were taken care of yeah, I, I can definitely appreciate that mindset. Sounds like you have some happy trainers there. Mm -hmm. So how long, okay, so total, how long have you been an entrepreneur? Um, I would say I've been an entrepreneur for the better half of six years. Okay, so when it comes to scaling and growing a gym to the point where it's actually starting to generate profit, right? What do you think, if I'm gonna leave you two skills to rely on. So think about everything that you learned now over the past, you know, three to six years. Um, what are the two skills that you need in order to grow and scale a business in this industry? Uh, I think you, there are many more. There are many skills, of course. But if you could only choose two, um, just give us those two skills and why. Um, that's a tough question. I would probably say the first one is consistency um in our business model when we talk to clients we talk about consistency of habit and i think if you have that consistency of habit building business um you'll be successful but really determine depends on how long you stick it out right because eventually you'll be successful um so i think that's a skill set that is really important to have and um I don't know if this is really qualified as a skill, but I think foresight, um, foresight into the future of what you want to do, not only what you want to do, but what kind of lifestyle you want to live. And I think it is important to figure out the end goal and backtrack and find that path to take um, and just be diligent about it. Like in life, there's always going to be detours, um, but if you continue to have foresight, um, you'll accept that there's just different ways about going it and uh, it'll make you a lot more flexible in your approach and adaptable as well. Yeah. So foresight and also consistency. So let's narrow the skill set down a little bit. Um, you started a business, right? And you need to, of course, in order to make money, you have to provide a service to people. So from your experience, what do you need? Like, what's the skill set that you need to start to generate paid clients from leads to paid clientele? Can you elaborate on that question? Yeah, I'll shorten it and condense it. 
what are you guys doing for marketing? Um, so we do a ton of different things. Uh, ultimately, we found that SEO organic was the best way to go. Because um, when you really think about our industry, um, we're a service. And in my experience and in, in talking to our clientele, anytime that per someone is looking for a service, the first thing they're going to do is Google best personal trainers near me or best whatever near me. Um, so it's, it was really important for us to be on the first page of Google, to be ranked in the top three in Google Maps. Um, and and that was really our driving force to get clients. And um, we've tried paid ads before. We've tried out-of-home marketing. Um, and we've also tried social media. And none of it was as successful as organic um, SEO. So what is your definition of like, what does like success in that arena look like for you guys, for your specific brand and goals? Yeah, um, I think success is being able to grow at a steady rate um, to the point where we hope by the end of the year where we're um, doing X amount of volume per week and we have X amount of staff um, and ultimately where it allows me to kind of scale back my own time investment into the business where I can pursue other things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about once somebody is in the door, like, how does that work? Are you assigning them to the trainers that you have? Cause currently I think you said you have six right now. Mm -hmm. um, are your trainers responsible for bringing in their own clientele and, or are you also assigning them people? that seemed like a good fit. Yeah, so it's more of the latter. Um, one of the other problems that I saw in the fitness industry was um, how personal trainers were treated and how they had to operate in a big box gym. And um, what I found was that people or personal trainers would apply for jobs in big box gyms and they would be hired on their skill set of being a personal trainer, right? Their qualifications, their skill set, um, and their, their client, their way that they can handle their clients, right? Um, but more often than not, they would end up being sales, right? They would have to work the floor, they'd have to get clients, they'd have to do an intro session with them, and they'd try to sell package. And sometimes they'd get commission, sometimes they wouldn't. Um, but to me, I thought that was uh, kind of unfair, because I've seen a lot of people get burnt out because of that, right? You get excited because you're in a new job, you get to work as a personal trainer, which is your passion. And then 70% of your time is consumed selling. And I think that was kind of the wrong way to go about it. And uh, in my opinion, uh, what I wanted to do was create a business that allowed uh, me as a business owner to handle all the marketing and all the sales. And the trainers all only had to rely on fulfillment and client retention. And because we were able to break that up, um, we found a lot of success in that, and we found that our trainers are a lot happier because they're not uh, stressed out about the day-to-day -day selling. Yeah. So really the only thing that they have to focus on is just training their clients and keeping them happy. Exactly. Which is the only thing that I really vet and, and vet them for when uh, we hire them, right? We're not looking to see how good they are in sales. We're mm -hmm. looking to see what quality service they could provide um, once that client is signed on. Yeah. So do you have, 
trainer, not trainers, clients yourself, or are, is your sole responsibility really to focus on things that are going to grow the business? Um, so it's both. Uh, in the very beginning, when I was starting out just me, I was taking on a boatload of clients until I couldn't handle it anymore. And that's when I started to hire uh, our first two trainers. And then I delegated a majority of my clients to them. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that it has been going over the past two years is we would get an influx of clients and I would kind of take them on as my own clients until I felt that uh, I could provide enough training hours for um, a new trainer. So then once we hired a new trainer, I'd kind of delegate those clients over to them. Gotcha. Okay. So now that you've started to, you know, delegate a lot more, what are some of the things you do on a day daily basis as the owner to keep the doors open and keep things growing? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is pretty much just making sure that we find new avenues avenues to grow, um, experimenting with marketing, um, continuing to communicate with clients, making sure that our uh, fulfillment side and operation side are as refined as possible. So um, right now, a lot of the, the time that's spent invested in this business is uh, kind of reconfiguring our CRM system and making sure that uh, everything works fluidly and uh, is automated. Um, at the end of the day, I think another skill set that you kind of, the question that you ask a skill set to have is to be able to delegate and automate things um, because that's the quickest way to scale something. And uh, I found that if you're not an expert in it, you don't have to become one. You just have to find other people that are. And that's why I think uh, our company is so great is because most of the trainers on my staff are better trainers than me. Um, I really have faith in them to take on our clients. I really believe that they have that skill set. And for me, um, I love training, but I know that my trainers on staff will provide a better service. I appreciate that mindset. I really do. Um, especially when it comes to hiring people that, trainers that are better than you. Um, and also delegating too, because I feel like as a lot of times, owners and personal trainers won't delegate because they want to be able to control everything. And sometimes that can end up holding a lot of people back from growing. Yeah. Um, and a big part of that is, and a big part of the success is actually uh, the team that handles operations. So I'm not the only person that's doing everything on the operation side. Um, we actually have a team of virtual assistants that do a bulk of the stuff for me. And I kind of, just lead the way and making sure that everything's organized, that we're completing tasks and that everything is logical and it's progression. So what um, sort of tasks do you delegate to your team of assistants? Um, so basic things like handling social media, um, keeping records for clients' accounts, um, keeping me up to date with any new leads that come in and um, handling kind of all our, our website and making sure that everything is constantly up to date. Word. So it sounds like you figured out a way or like a system just to get some of the time back, excuse me, in your day. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say is your biggest challenge right now? 
Um, I think for our company, the biggest challenge is finding that balance of client to trainers. Um, one thing that I was really adamant about was uh, being able to like provide our trainers with as many clients as they can take. Um, but sometimes we just don't have enough clients to fulfill 20 work hours, right? Um, so we really have to find that balance of making sure that we keep enough trainers on staff so that way we're not overloaded, but not have too many trainers where half of them are just sitting around doing nothing, right? So from your experience, like what is enough for a trainer to not get overwhelmed and burnt out, but also still be able to make like a living? Like how many clients would that be? Yeah, I think that's hard to quantify because everyone's different. Um, ultimately, when it comes to our company, we actually prefer to find people who want to use this job as a supplemental income. Um, okay. And it at least provides them space for it to become a full-time job, exactly. right? Um, because as we scale them up in this business, they can kind of scale down in their other job. Mm -hmm. But at least... I don't put them in the position where they're struggling financially. And I think that's yeah. something that is, I have to be very conscious of as the owner is I don't want to pull someone away um, and promise them that this job is the best job in the world and they quit their old one. Um, but I can't scale them to 20 training sessions in, in two weeks. Right. Um, it's a gradual transition. I think that's an important takeaway in life because everything should be a gradual transition. Um, when I started this business, I was working three other per diem jobs. And as it became successful, I was able to quit one by one. So when it comes to business ownership, um, unless you have a lot of uh, savings, it's better off to kind of work twice as hard until you can transition your, your income from one, one job to another. Yeah. Yeah. So as we come to a close here, um, one more question for you. I just want you to think back to when you started the hive and Genesis training, knowing what you know now and thinking about all of the experiences that you had over the past three years, give yourself a piece of advice that you needed to hear back then? Um, that's tough. Uh, a piece of advice that I would give myself is um, probably don't invest too much money on paid ads. Because in the past and beginning, um, I got caught up in that idea that like paid ads have a great ROI and um, I've worked with several marketing companies and paying them thousands and thousands of dollars into investing it and setting up a system and showing me sales tactics and how to get people from a phone call to selling a package and things like that. Um, and frankly, I think it's something that I should have just learn myself um and not invested all that money into so what makes you say that um because 
I think the concept of selling has like kind of this negative connotation. And I think if you are genuine in your approach, you don't need a selling tactic. Um, I think that if you know for certain that you're providing the best service that you possibly can, um, the selling will happen. And I think people can read that from you, right? Um, people can definitely tell if you're reading from a script, people can definitely tell if you're BSing them. So the best thing to do is just be genuine and design a product or a service that you hundred percent can get behind. Cause if you're not, then that's not the right service. So when you refer to like sales tactics, are you kind of referring to like that gimmicky stuff? Um, is that what you mean? Um, kind of, it was just like, like, here's, it's just like the education part of here's how much you have to spend in ads per month. This is how many people you should be getting on the phone with. Um, and here's a script to sell them. And I think that's something that becomes very cookie cutter. Um, and, uh, a lot of people are going to especially new business owners will be attracted to that because they don't really know what it, what they need to do for next steps. And um, my advice would be to just find a mentor, someone who's been there, done that, um, but don't copy exactly what they do. Just try to learn from their experiences. Um, I found more value learning from people outside of the fitness industry than I have in the fitness industry. Um, and it's because at the end of the day, it's about people. It's not about just fitness. Yeah, I agree with that. People first this is a service. We're in an industry of serving our communities and other people. Exactly. Um, I fully believe that if you can provide value on the front end, um, people will, will pay for that service. And um, we've developed a, a system that allows us to, to provide a lot of front end service by um, providing free consultations and, and educating people on their bodies and what the game plan is moving forward. So would you say that outside of any strategies or tactics that there definitely needs a, cause it sounds like you're talking about a process, like a sales process versus mm -hmm. having tactics and strategies. Would you say that yes. a sales process is important whether or not you're using paid ads or not, like you still need to have a process established? Absolutely. Um, I think that process needs to be as straightforward and as simple as possible. Because uh, in my experience, the more friction there is, uh, the harder it is for people to go through that funnel. And uh, you're going to lose a lot of opportunities because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, this has been a really good conversation so far. Let's go ahead and wrap things up here. Um, but before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, yeah, so you can find our website. Uh, it's genesistraining.online. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram uh, at Genesis Training LLC. All righty, Austin. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and definitely looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. Also, to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if y'all want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within our industry, excuse me, 
click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.